subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, you couldn't ask for much more than a better start. A couple early stops, early rushing touchdown, special teams touchdown, and honestly, I thought the wheels were just going to keep rolling the rest of the way, and BYU said, no, sir. Well, it's a long game, that's for sure, as we found out, and yeah, I kind of felt like everybody else did when it was 14 to nothing. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be easy, but I thought, wow, that's a great way to start the game, and um, but again, I mean, you got to play 60 minutes and four quarters, and uh, it was a good start, though. You're right. I heard the TV telecast talking about this. I went back and watched the, the game yesterday, and Rod Gilmore was talking about Kalani Sataki, the BYU head coach, and them kind of weathering the storm. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, just they, they didn't seem nervous at all, even being down 14-0 in a hostile environment Saturday night. No, they had a lot of poise. They came back, and they, uh, you know, they got a decent team. They've got players on scholarship, and they brought a lot of people with them. And, you know, you could tell it was a big, uh, you know, they treated it like a big game. Mm-hmm. It was their first game against a Power 5 opponent as a Power 5 team. Uh, so, you know, I think that we focus a lot on our team, and that's what we do. And that's completely understandable. But I think sometimes we forget, you know, how another team comes into the game. And I know and got the feel. I was on BYU's broadcast before the game, and um, I got the feel from them that this was a really big night for BYU football, that this was a big game, that they have a real understanding of what they're stepping into, Uh, not just what we saw on the field, but the people, you know, work around that program. And this was a big game for them, and they took Arkansas's best shot i'm sure kalani sataki's over there on the sidelines said guys we take we, we've taken their best shot we've taken their best shot we're still in the game and you know that's what you do when you're down 14 or uh, 14 early and he rallied his troops give him credit i mean give him credit i know there's going to be a lot of griping and i get it um but i think sometimes you've got to give the other team a little bit of credit they um uh, they had a good fan base. They had a good team. They had a good plan, and they won the game. Part and, of that, um, you know, they again. S- sometimes that happens. Part sorry, of, I'm sorry. I, I should have. I thought you were done. Uh, part of that plan was b- just bull rushing the ends and getting getting there with pressure from four. That was a bit surprising after what we've seen in the first two games. That uh, consistently BYU was able to pressure KJ Jefferson just sending four. Well, you know, we've spent two weeks talking about the offensive line. You know, there, there were issues, perhaps, there. People have analyzed it and reanalyzed it and analyzed it again. So I don't know that after two weeks of everyone saying we got issues on the offensive line, that people should act surprised that there were issues on the offensive line. 
Um, and I think that we saw that over and over again. Now, they're going to have to change some things, and they talked about this, in terms of the way they protect the edge. Um, they're going to have to keep another guy in there. They're just going to have to. They don't want to, but they're going to have to. Uh, they can't protect the edge, or at least they couldn't Saturday night the way um, you know the way they were playing it. So I think that'll be an adjustment that they make this week. Um, I watched LSU's game, and you know Kelly's done this two years in a row. It's like he's finally just wised up and said, you know, I'm going to stop trying to make Harold Perkins something he's not, and I'm just going to let him be LT out there, and um, he's going to be an issue on Saturday night down there again because, uh, I, I, you know, why Kelly had him on doing what he was doing, I have no idea. But they've gotten, you know, they've gotten back to playing him the way they were before. And he's going to be a menace. So you're going to have to have some help. But I, I, that was the thing that I noticed was, um, you, you know, the bull rush certainly was an issue. I mean, it was. But to me, that batty, you know, coming off the edge, um, I just thought that was that was where they did a lot of their damage. So help me on this. Devin Manuel's still dealing with the singer, Stinger. You lost Andrew Shambly. You had to move Latham at one point out to left tackle after they had some movement already with Patrick Kutas, who got injured during the game. They brought in a Marion Harris. So, I mean, there was probably at least three or four different offensive line sets on Saturday night they were having to deal with based on just the injuries and the shuffling yeah they had to shuffle their personnel that's for sure no doubt so on the on the subject of the offensive line i looked back and they brought in one offensive line transfer in joshua braun and i know we've talked about the the youth of the tackles in kutas shambly and manual where there's not a lot of snaps there my question is is why was that not more of an area of emphasis in the offseason? If you weren't sure about that specific position group, why did you just bring one offensive guy who's in the guard position in? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I again, Sam Pittman knows way more about offensive line than, than I do. But I just I, I can't connect the dots there why there was only one transfer brought in from the offensive line when we know freshmen aren't going to play. Well, first off, that's not a position group where you can plug guys in and have them ready to go the way you can on the defensive line. You know, we talk a lot about cohesion on the offensive line and how you've got to have five guys playing as one. That's difficult to do when you bring four or five new parts in out of the portal. Um, you know, that's, that's, um, I mean, that's a question for them. I mean, that's not a question I can answer. So you look at that last, the last two drives, the strip sack, again, offensive line, and one of the, it was actually, people wanted to blame the offensive line. Rashad Dominion's the one that missed that block coming off the edge. And we've talked about running backs have to pick up blocks. He misses the block. KJ gets strip sack. There were several penalties on the offensive line in the fourth quarter, six on Arkansas, I think 10 on the offense overall. And again, consistently, whether it's holding calls, by the way, BYU was holding too, and Pooh Paul and some of the other linebackers getting held, didn't get called, Big 12 crew, read into that with what you will. But the offensive line, again, particularly in the fourth quarter, when KJ needed them the most, came up short. And I think in that situation, you're relying upon, again, a Superman, an heroic type of quarterback to make plays. He was making throws, including a long fourth down play where he found Luke Cass. But you got to give this guy time. 
you got to give this guy something. And they didn't do that in the fourth quarter, particularly on those last two drives. No, you're right. I mean, stating the obvious, you're right. I don't. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, Sam talked about it after the game, and you could tell he was frustrated with, with kind of just having to to deal with all of this and the disappointment of the loss. But talk about hand, it, the hands of the offensive linemen, and uh, did, he, did he use the word casts? As he's he said, about two that, of the five, two of the five right, are casted up right, right now, and, and he's, they, they just have a hard time with their with their hand technique and getting grip. And I I don't know that that has. You got the soundbite yeah, for that? Let's just what he said. I mean, we've got some hands issues and things like that. I'm not talking about placement of hands. I'm talking about we've got two of our five linemen are casted up pretty good. So we've got some hand issues that we've got to fix because it's hard to grab. I know everybody say, well, you grab because you had holdings, but you understand what I'm saying. It's hard to get a feel in there. I'm not overly panicked. We're just going to have chip. We're going to have to have some help. We're going to have to have some tight ends help, especially when we continue to go into teams like BYU and, and continue to go into the SEC. But they're not the same caliber of defensive line that you'll play in the SEC. Well, everyone knows that. But Everybody that's, knows that. That's what's worrisome. So what's going to happen is he, and you brought up the chipping earlier, whether it's Luke Haz, Francis Sherman, whoever they have at the tight end position, that's probably one less guy that you have running routes. And the wide receivers already have issue getting open to this point. Separation was an issue at points during this game on Saturday night. Now you're going up against better cornerbacks, better safeties, better linebackers. I just don't know how this situation with the injuries they're dealing with, with what we've seen to this point, I don't know how this is going to get resolved. I don't know how Dan Enos and Sam Pittman are going to figure out this offense where it's potent enough to get enough points. Because 24 points is not going to get you SEC wins. It's just not. 24 offensive points. So this chipping stuff that we're talking about might help KJ get a little more time, but it's not going to matter if no one's open and there's there's none of receivers running routes, the tight ends running routes, that's the trade off again that they're dealt that they're gonna have to deal with starting Saturday night in Baton Rouge. The guys are just gonna have to grow up. I mean in and, and mature. And I don't mean they're you know, I, I mean from a from a football standpoint, you know, some of these young tackles that they've they've they're playing right now, the two two guys that are new out there getting they got their first start three games ago, you know, tough world in the SECs. They're just gonna have to to bring it along, and you, well, you know, I don't know what else to say. They, they, I don't know how you fix it in one week. You know, here's the thing. I mean, we've been through this before. We do this every year. First loss, all oh, season's over. We're doomed. There's no way. Everything's, uh, there's no way. Uh, this happens every time we lose a game, and let's not act like we hadn't lost games. Here's the thing. There's nine games to go. I am certain of that. I have no earthly idea what's going to happen the rest of the way. But I know there are nine games to play. And we can sit here and say, well, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. I have no idea how they're going to play out. But I do know they're going to play. And, um, you know, they've got things they've got to deal with. There's going to be angry fans. That's part of the gig. Um, But they've just got to circle the wagons as we can go back to work. We can gripe all we want. they got to go play the games. I'm I'm pretty certain they're not uh, they're not taking their cues from us think, anyway. You don't think they're going to give no. up? No. no, no. At this point, and again, I want to be clear about something. I think they're going to have a good showing somehow, some way in Baton Rouge this next week. I think that there's going to be points to the game where you think you're going to win. Now, I'm not still as strong. In fact, I don't think they're going to win on Saturday night, as I've said all summer. But 
Again, I think they're going to have a decent showing and show up a little bit. And it plays out perfectly. LSU well, why just, even go if you don't think they're going to win? Well, it's the experience, Chuck. I mean, okay. LSU, it, it sets up perfectly. LSU clown Mississippi State and Starkville. That's what I told you all I wanted to happen. So they'll come in overconfident this Saturday night. You lost. They're not expecting any of you walking in as they were last year when they just beat Alabama. They had a letdown last year. Hopefully, there'll be a little bit of a letdown for LSU because they're not going to take you seriously after you lost to BYU and they just beat the absolute you-know-what out of Mississippi State. I don't think Rocket's going to play on Saturday night. As you said, Tommy, some guys have to step up to this point. And guys got to grow up. I mean, again, you didn't play a conference team on Saturday night. It's only going to get more difficult from here. And I think what's irritating for fans this morning is it felt like A&M last year. You had A&M by their throats last year in that game in Jerry World. This game, you had BYU not in the first quarter, first five minutes. You had Wait a, a second. Is it irritating for fans or is it irritating for you? I think it's irritating for fans. You had the same type of setup where you're up early, 14-0 in the first quarter. You're dominating all phases of the game, and you let it go. And you're not just, you, you didn't let it go in Provo. You didn't let it go in Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa. You let it go at home in a top 10 crowd ever. In Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium history, on ESPN2, recruits in the house, and you let it slip. To, again, not Ty Detmer, not Jim McMahon, not Steve Young, not even Zach Wilson. You lost to Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis, y'all. There's a big difference. Again, BYU, I know how they have some history. I know there's that Kalani Sitake's a good coach. But you shouldn't be losing at home in week three to BYU in year four of Sam Pittman. That just shouldn't happen. That's why people were angry. All right, let's talk to J.D., who's in Glenwood first. J.D., go ahead, man. You're on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Good morning, guys. Hey, I love Coach Sam Pitt. I think he's a good man. I think he loves Arkansas football. I love what he's trying to do. But my fear is he's an old soul in a new world of college football. He's an old-school football coach, and he's going to play conservative, old-school-type football. And if you're going to win with old-school, tough football, one thing you cannot do is lose the battle for field position, lose the turnover battle, and have that many penalties. If you're going to play tough, dominate the line of scrimmage, win the football game with old-school football, you've got to have a very disciplined, tough team. And I don't know that we're a disciplined, tough team like he would like to be. I think they've been tough under Sam Pittman, but the discipline aspect you brought up is 100% on brand. Arkansas right now, through three games, is the worst team in the SEC in penalty yardage and penalties per game. That's been an issue since he's been here. Two years ago, even when you not when you won nine games, they weren't good in that category as well. They have had issues since Sam Pittman has been here when it comes to that aspect. In terms of toughness, that's still a tough football team. They just didn't look good on Saturday night. The old school aspect you're talking about when you're talking about running the football, we talked about all week how people were advocating for them to run the football. They had over 200 rushing yards. You just didn't win. You lost the turnover battle. That never goes well. And you had 14 penalties in that game. Again, 10 of them on the offense. You're not going to win many football games when you have double-digit penalties, even if it's at home and you lose the turnover battle too. Several of those penalties were because they had to. They held to keep their quarterback from getting killed. I mean, that... that some of those penalties were not uh, were intentional in my in my. I, I would I would I would take issue with the lack of discipline comment. Um, we we we've spent fifteen minutes. We've talked about we've talked out of every side of our mouth 
over the last 15 minutes. We talked a minute ago about how Kudus was out. You move Shambly over. You put Latham at left tackle. Then Shambly goes out. You got, you know, you're moving guys around the whole game. You got Latham over there playing left tackle where he never plays. Uh, You got the other side pinning their ears back. That's not a lack of discipline. That's a guy playing out of position. That's an offensive line that's banged up. And you got guys in spots where they don't and, – and you can't just put a guy from guard to tackle and have him do the same thing. It's a different position. That's not a lack of discipline. Now, we can lament <clears> – <throat> pardon me. We can lament the penalties. And, and, and I'm right there with you. That's too many. They came at costly moments. But they were legit calls. I mean, they were all legit calls. Um, there wasn't a single one of those holds they called at the end that wasn't holding. Now, they missed some in other spots, and you're mm-hmm. right when you bring that up, Ty, but there wasn't a, you know, those were not illegitimate calls. But it was not a lack of discipline. It was guys playing out of position and guys not having their technique right. When a guy blows by, when a defensive end blows by a left guard playing left tackle, it's not because he's not disciplined. That's comical. It's because he's playing in a different spot. And there were a lot of holds, but there was also some offsides calls. There was also some false starts. I mean, again, it wasn't. But you were speaking in terms of the discipline on the holds, and those are not lack of discipline plays. Now, the jumping and the things like that, you know, discipline's a big, you know, discipline's a good fan term. You You know, that's a good fan term. Fans use it all the time. Sometimes it's applicable, sometimes it's not. We've used it a lot already in this half hour. It's been applicable about half the time and non-applicable the other half. So, you know, let's, let, let's not generalize. You know, let's, let's, let's at least be specific about this. Okay, penalty specific, including Jaheim Singletary getting the unsportsmanlike conduct after Nudie popped out that ball. That hurt them. They said I'm not it. arguing that. that. I'm not arguing that. Again, 14 total, worst in the SEC. This has been an issue in three of the four years that Sam Pittman has been I'm here. I'm just saying look at them specifically before you use the blanket lack of discipline description. That's all I'm saying. All right, fair enough. J.R., McCarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in, J.R., your thoughts on the game Saturday night. Are you on half and half, or are you on full full blown? Full uh, full coffee this morning. I'm taking the Chuck Barrett approach. No decaf, no half and half, just black. I learned from the best, man. Hey, I just got a a couple questions on the running back situation. There there seemed to be a couple of plays where uh, it seemed like uh, there was one play where Dominic Johnson, they they shot him out to the side there, uh, KJ threw to him, and and, – he just he wouldn't be able to make the guy miss, and given his situation with you know with trying to get back from knee surgery and stuff like that, uh, I don't know I don't know if that's the guy you want out there trying to make a defensive back miss. But the other the other question was on pass protection. Uh, Rashad Dabinian, is he the best? I mean, I, I don't guess the, the best. Uh, pass blocking running back, but he just seemed like he was no match for that guy coming around. I mean, he didn't even hit him slowing down. So it's almost like some of the players, I don't know, maybe out of position for what they're trying to do. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like they're still trying to find their way well, you know, with well, the best combo. Well, if you listen to what Coach Pittman said after the game, he said they were better off the edge than they thought they'd be. You know, he was, he was just you know brutally honest. 
And uh, that's why, you know, we were talking about that is an adjustment that they will make in practice this week. They will they will handle that edge rush differently, at least try to handle it differently this week than they did this past week. Let's talk to Brent. Keep these calls rolling. Brent, go ahead, man. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, buddy. Uh, I've got one thing, to, one thing to say, and it's not about discipline because Chuck, because Chuck will just just go just go off the reservation if somebody misses, talks about discipline one more time. Uh, you think we had trouble blocking blocking BYU off the edge? Have you have you seen number? Uh, have you seen Harold Perkins lately? We will, we will have no clue how to block him. Chuck mentioned, I mean, and that's going to be a problem. We we mentioned that, um, and we're not going to shy away from how difficult the matchup is for Arkansas's offensive line against Perkins, Wingo, Smith, and the other LSU. There's no there's no shying away from that. It's going to be a it's going to be a major it's going to be a major problem, and I don't know. In people forget when we when we went nine and four two years ago, we had a dominant. We had maybe the best player in the SEC in Traylon Burks that would put us on his back and let and let us and lead us to victory. Okay, right now I don't see a uh, a player that that can put us on his back and lead and lead us to victory. And all I want to say is, can we please figure out a way to get Isaiah to Isaiah to on the field, other than kick up, punt returns and kickoffs, I mean our, our receivers don't seem to be able to get to get a, get out get away from coverage. Yeah, that man's the fastest man in Arkansas. We've got <laughs> to figure out a way to get him on the field. Brent, appreciate and that's all I've got to say. Appreciate the call, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. Coach Pittman's talked about him not being the best blocker, and he's not. I mean, he's a smaller kid, five eleven or so, buck eighty five, whatever he is. Then block for him. Get him the ball. Like he doesn't have to be in the in the blocking situations. Get him a pop pass. Get him a bubble screen. Just get him the ball. You got to. I mean, Jane Wilson had a couple drops. Broden had a couple drops. They have had issues there for two of the three games. Find a way to get your most exciting playmaker, the most electrifying player on that roster, the football outside of just special teams. We've seen it through three games when he has the ball in his hands. Special things can happen. I'm not going to say it's going to happen every time he gets it, but he has to be featured in this offense somehow. In an offense, again, that is not good in explosive plays right now. Top 80 right now, top 90 in explosive plays in a couple different categories. That's something Sam Pittman was asked at media days. Wasn't a huge fan of the question. Through three games, it's been evident. They hadn't had explosive plays. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963. 
McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Miss Dixie Lynn has been waiting on hold for about 30 minutes. Dixie Lynn, we really appreciate you being on hold. Welcome in to the program. Hey, y'all. I had a great time at the game despite the outcome. And that one caller, he woke me up. I mean, he really did. I hope he was the only I think he might have been, at times, the only one hollering when he was on third down. I was up there on that rooftop thing, you know, and it was good. They got some kinks they got to work out, but somebody that knowed all of it said, but I agree it was a game of field position and punting, and that punter, you know, I didn't know his name, but I really like the kicking game. I follow the kicking game a lot in special teams, and I think they're going to work it all out. It's early in the season. I'm not panicking at all. But these people calling, you know, oh, he needs to be fired and bring his in, bring his They act like we got buckets of money to get anybody. We got a good coach there. We got a great staff. These kids work hard, and let's all support them and quit being so negative. We got the whole season ahead of us. Hey, it's not like we're, we could have been worse. We could be staying in Rocky Top all night. Y'all have a great day. <laughs> yeah, they go down to Florida. That was one of the more odd outcomes of the weekend. And their offense, Joe Milton, ugh, they look bad Saturday night. It really was, if you look across the board in college football, the favorites were awful for the most part on Saturday. Not only Tennessee, Kansas State loses. I mean, there were a few upsets here and there, but guys, for the most part, favorites did not fare well on Saturday. A lot of parity. There's a lot of parity out there right now, and there are lots of different theories on why that's the case. The portal's the most popular uh, theory in all this, and I suspect there's something to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, um, you know, I don't know which coach said it first, but you know, the other side's got players on scholarship, too. And they think they're just as good as we think our guys are. And, um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, it's frustrating. I know it is. I share your frustration. But um, sometimes that will happen. Yeah. And Alabama won but struggled <laughs> against South oh, Florida. That quarterback situation is yeah. terrible. Terrible. They're so bad there. Buckner comes in, has a terrible first half. Well, they combined Simpson for like 100 yards of pass. And didn't have any better. They are That is the worst set of quarterbacks that they've had in the Nick Saban era. And it's not getting any better. Tommy well, here's Rick. the thing. Here's, here's, here's the thing that a situation like that can bring. And to me, this is Saban's biggest challenge is not necessarily to get better quarterback play per se. I mean, anybody can see that. But you got to keep your team. 
because when you have two quarterbacks and neither of whom's really taking the reins, guys pick sides. Guys in that locker room pick sides. And that's what you have to guard against if you're a head coach because nobody's the obvious choice. And so you're going to have different camps. And you've already heard former Alabama players like Mark Ingram say it was an overreaction to bench Milrow. Um, I think that's a bad sign. I think that's going to be his biggest challenge with his quarterback situation is keeping the locker room together. Now, I think he can do it, but I've seen situations like this rip coaches apart, rip programs apart. And I just wonder what's going to happen there because um, that's not done costing them. It's not done costing them games. And I wouldn't even say it's two. It's three. When we saw two on Saturday, Milrow didn't play. I'll give him credit. He was very vocal, very encouraging on the sideline. He doesn't have to say anything because others are saying it for him. You've got former players. The only thing missing right now is current players. Former players have spoken up for him. He doesn't have to say anything. All right, let's talk to Melvin, who's in Sheridan on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Welcome in, Melvin. Hey, brother. Oh, uh, you got on Chuck's nerves today, but you tell it like it is. Hey, Sam is a good tow truck driver. He got us out of the ditch. But now it's time to let a mechanic like a Norvell or somebody like that take over. Uh, it's not going to get any better. He's already like a pup with a uh, tail between his legs, making apologies. He needs to step up and be a leader and put a foot in somebody's rear end. Not so you don't think he's doing that. Let me let me stop you for one second. I've been critical this morning, and I think a lot of the fans feel what I've said. But do you think? Do you not think he's doing that behind the scenes? Do you think he's just happy go lucky in the locker room? Do you think he's just happy go lucky with the players at this point? And are you really going to have been up on the season three games in? Let me tell you something. I was as hacked off as anyone on Saturday night following that loss. They haven't even started conference play yet. Are you really giving up on this season in Sam Pittman three games into his fourth year? Let me say let me say this. I wasn't the one crying for a raise. Now he ought to give some of that money back as far as this team is oh, and it's gonna be. Now now go ahead, Chuck, blow up, throw some hair, but that's the way it is. He is not doing the job. There's not a single one of you listening right now that would give back money if you were given a raise. Melvin, not you, not a single listener to this point. Now, he is making $6 million right now, and that's kind of the going rate within. It's actually lower to most SEC coaches in college football. But this idea that he's just kind of, well, we'll, we'll just get through this. I mean, come on, y'all. Like, he's, he's angry, if not angrier than every one of you about his team played on Saturday night. He, he, I wouldn't say he was embarrassed, but he's frustrated. He's frustrated like y'all are. This idea that he has just given up or that he needs to be fired three games in is idiotic. Listen, I, and th- there, there's a difference between critical and being just absolutely stupid like that. There's a major difference. Big line. Melvin, come on, man. If you're going to give something like that, at least give some reasons, some rationality, some logic behind that. Now, now listen to I'd let him finish out the year, but I would be looking for his replacement for sure. I, I wasn't talking about letting him know he's going to be gone, but I would <laughs> be looking for his replacement because he ain't going to be happy, I promise. Well, and this doesn't matter if it's Sam Pittman or anyone else. And appreciate the call, Melvin. Every good athletics director has a list of about 10 or so head coaches, not for every sport, but specifically for football that they have corked up. Hunter probably has. He's never told anyone out. He just has it. That's just part of it. 
part of every AD. If you're a good AD, you just have that in your back pocket. Now, I hope he doesn't have to ever go for it at any point. I hope that Sam Pittman talks about like he's want to do. Coach here, retire on Lake Hamilton, be happy. But yeah, he, he went through an obstacle on Saturday night. This team's not dead. Now, they're not great right now. There's not a lot of confidence within this fan base based on what happened you lose in BYU. But this idea that they're just going to roll over and play dead, go listen to Landon Jackson on Saturday night following the press conference. Go listen to how he felt that they didn't execute on offense, defense, special team. He didn't blame anybody. So we got to get better. He wants to beat his former team in LSU, as does Arkansas on Saturday night. I don't know if they're going to, but they're not going to get beat by like 50-something in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, the idea that there's a hot seat, I'm not even sure there's a warm seat yet. So, I mean, I, I can't quite get there with Melvin on, on that. You're, you're, you're spot Donnie on says Melvin there. is an idiot. Well, I don't know if Melvin, Melvin has an opinion. We just don't agree with He's it. He's a frustrated fan. Yeah. Look, I, I, uh, people are frustrated today, and I get that. And when they get mad, people say personal things. I mean, that's just how it goes. And, I mean, you got to – Got to have a thick skin during all this. And my suspicion is this week with the football team, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a circle the wagons mentality. And, um, you know, you're going to hear things about, you know, blocking out the noise. And um, a good head coach in this situation will divert the attention to him and away from his players. Yep. And that's what a good coach does, what a good leader does in a situation like this. And Sam Pittman is a grown man. He makes a lot of money, and um, he's a head coach. He's the leader, and he'll absorb that. And um, I'm sure it'll be frustrating for him, but he will. And he'll do everything that he can to take the pressure off his players. Okay. Um, you know, that's that, that's just what you do. And he shouldn't have to apologize for the money he makes. That That's that the other thing from what Melvin said. He shouldn't be apologizing for making $6 million a year. Yeah. Uh, Kagan's in Pickett this morning. Kagan, welcome into the Morning Rush on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. How y'all doing this morning? Oh, it'd be better. Yeah. Man, I, I'm just as mad as anybody else, but we got a good football team. We got a good quarterback. KJ was kind of running for his life, but it ain't all on him. There's a couple receivers that drop past. What we got to do to see Satania on the, on the field as a receiver? Has he caught a pass yet this year? I mean, I believe, look look what he did on that return. I mean, the guy can move. He's had three receptions. He's had three pass receptions so far. I think we need to get him on the field. Has Bowden caught a pass this year yet? What's the deal with him? Isn't he the fastest guy on the team? He's pretty fast. He caught one on Saturday. He dropped one, too, but he caught one at least one Uh, on Saturday. Yeah. I was at a wedding, so I was kind of on and off on the game. I blinked my eyes and we're up 14-0. I was like, oh, my God, what a miss. But, no, we got a good team, man. I just guarantee you one thing right now. I guarantee you this next year, Sam Pittman's going in the transport portal, and there are going to be six offensive linemen that are studs. But I think we'll be all right. I think that our team's going to look a lot better than a lot of people think going into LSU. Appreciate you taking my call. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Kagan. And I, I said this in the first hour. I'll say it again. Isaiah is not the best blocker. We know that. He's 5'11", 185. But you do have to find a way to get him the football. Again, he's smaller. He's not great in those pass blocking or run blocking situations. But he is your most electric player on this football team. And it, it doesn't have to be 10 targets a game. But when you have someone like that, that it has game-breaker speed, agility, and everyone everyone else, you've got to find a way to feature him in the offensive game plan. 
not just on special teams. Well, you got to remember, too, he's a redshirt freshman, and he didn't play a lot last year. Mm-hmm. And... You know, special teams is the area where, as we saw Saturday night, he's 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 got a lot of ability. And when the guys, you know, going through the process of becoming a veteran, a lot of times special teams is where you make your mark initially. He's getting more snaps, and he'll get more as we go. But um, you know, I think I think that's a lot of. It. I, I go back to something Rashad DeBinion said on one of Coach Pittman's radio shows. He said, "My first year, all I was trying to do was learn the playbook, man. <laughs> and the yeah. second year is where you sort of get your feet underneath you. And little by little, Satania's getting his feet underneath him. And I think we'll see him out there more." Man, I'll tell you what, the McClarty Daniel Hotline feels like the Autobahn this morning. Big C is getting a forearm workout over there. JB is in Huntington, Arkansas. JB, welcome into the program. Yeah, thank you for letting me on. I I look at this game as a little different because we got a great coach. We got a great team. I think they just wasn't in sync. They might have problems, you know, uh, on off campus. You, you just don't know what these kids are in. Uh, we just need to stay uh, close to them. Try to try to nurture them on because we're we're still a good team. We're still we got a, good, a bunch of good guys, mm-hmm. and we're going to bounce back out of this. We just we just got to stay with them. We can't we can't uh, turn them back on them. And we got a great coach. That's all I'm going to say. JB, appreciate it. Listen, guys, social media, they read your tweets. They read your Facebook posts. They read your Instagram. They may say they don't, but if you're – and, again, it's a it's a borderline because I know you're frustrated. I know you're a fan. But ripping on, just tearing into kids. Now, it's a, it, there's a difference between saying this guy didn't execute this. It's one of the reasons you lost. Then this guy sucks. He has no business being on the field, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to help anything. It's not going to resolve anything. Now, again, there are areas of concern with this football team right now. Every one of you that has watched three games know that. But there's, again, a major difference between tearing in to a 19, 20-year-old kid than just, again, evaluating what happened, which we saw on Saturday night. The question is, what can you fix and how quick can you fix it? I don't have all the answers to that. And I think it's a reasonable question to wonder what moves are left to be made and what can you do, you know, in a couple couple of really effective days of practice to make it better, Chuck, uh, this Saturday. Well, the idea that first you can go out and sign a free agent. Be nice if you're good. Yeah. Be nice if there's a great guy out there. You is can Mike, just go pluck in. Is Mike in the portal? Parsons yeah. in the portal, Chuck. <laughs> but, yeah, here's 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 the thing right now. And, and, and it goes to, you know, to me, it, it, it goes to some of the positions on the offensive line. You look at where they did the most of their um, – where BYU did most of their damage. It was coming off the edge. It's those protecting those edges where Arkansas has got first-year starters. And, you know, it's not like, again, you just go sign a veteran to replace that guy. You are where you are with these guys, and it's a process. And they'll get better as we go. There's probably going to be a game or two where, you know, they don't look good at all. And uh, this just happened to be one that we didn't think we were going to see. And there are better teams out there, and and they are going to have to be better. And, look, if they play the way they did Saturday night, they're going to get drilled. But, um, you know, we'll see if they do. They've got a week to come up with something different. I guess we'll find out if they're able to do that. Boy, I think one of the key things for Saturday and moving forward is how well you play on first down. And you can't find yourself being forced into past situations and then being forced to where you need to get one extra receiver out and you can't put that tight end in or you can't keep that running back into chip. I mean, performance on first down is going to be key moving forward. 
couple of things. Um, when Arkansas runs that stretch play, that's the play A.J. Green scored on. They've not had as much success with that play as we've seen in the past. Now, personally, I think not having Rocket in there is a big part of that. Uh, he was very good at finding that cutback lane. Um, Arkansas has not been as good uh, with that stretch play. And I've heard Pittman say already, he, he's, he said, I've never had a team that you know, couldn't run the inside zone. And we're struggling there right now. And so that's an area we've got to improve on. You've got to have bread and butter plays. You've got to have bread and butter plays in your running game. And for Arkansas, it's been that stretch play on the outside, and it's been running the inside zone. And right now they're struggling to do both of them. And, you, and that's what's hurting them, in my opinion. Yeah. You mentioned the first down, Tommy. They also, again, that, a lot of those first down, not negative plays, but just kind of mid plays led to them being 2 of 13. They didn't have a third down conversion till the third quarter with a little over nine minutes left. And on the other side, it's not like they, the defense was horrible. They only allowed four of 13 third down conversions. But in order to have a chance in SEC play, you can't go 2 of 13 the rest of the way. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So Coach was talking about third downs after the game. Again, reference that stats. They go 2 of 13 in the football game. Didn't have a conversion until the third quarter. He was pretty honest and open on what happened. Well, some of it had to do with distance. Some of them had to do with the percentage of getting we're losing first down, so we're behind the sticks, you know. Obviously, there was a few drops, and we had some pressure. And the pressure that BYU gave us tonight was probably the difference in the game as far as playing the game. I just thought they were all over us. Again, it wasn't necessarily a blitz fest. So I think that affected us big time on third down. He went even further, kind of giving the BYU Cougars some credit and said, I just kind of whipped them. No, not at all. There wasn't any blitzes that we weren't ready for. It wasn't a blitz fest. I mean, they pounded gaps when we were trying to run the football. They whipped us. I mean, that's what happened out on the edge. And he was, again, at the top of his press conference, willing to give Kalani Sataki and his unit credit for that point. But I, I think when you look at certain specific plays, especially in the fourth quarter when Arkansas had to score, they just weren't able to block by BYU in those situations. Yeah, that batty, that one defensive end they've got is a legit player. I mean, he's really good. And he wasn't the only one. You know, he he used terms that are, you know, kind of general terms like pounded the gaps. Um, you know, that's they did do that all night long. They filled the gaps. And there were really critical areas, particularly in the middle of the field. 
um, where they they you know they outnumbered Arkansas and they they did a good job. You got to give them credit. You yep. got to give them credit. They made an adjustment. You know, Arkansas popped that big one. They had an explosive play there and scored on that fifty-five yard run. And after that, it was it was tougher sledding. Yeah, they yeah, clearly their their defensive coordinator got you know made made the adjustments like coming. One thing they seemed to do was shift over and be heavier on one side, even bring the linebackers to those side to that side as well. Well, until Arkansas proves that they can consistently block people, the other side's going to make them do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to outnumber them. Un- 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 until they show that they can, they're, they're going to be challenged in that area. That's just basic stuff. Yeah. I, I do want to mention this, and again, this has been it's been more skewed negative this morning for obvious reasons. When you lose a non-conference game at home, there's going to be more fan reaction following that. I don't know if you guys saw that picture following the game of K.J. Jefferson still signing autographs, taking pictures to some point. You're in a situation right now where your leaders have been called upon more now than ever before. Backs are against the wall. You're pl- probably playing the tough, toughest team in the SEC West this Saturday night in their home venue. So you need those guys to step up. I heard Landon Jackson again. Great stuff from Landon Jackson, Pooh Paul, and some of the other guys after the game as captains. He made a big play in that fourth quarter. You need those guys to step up more than ever, and I want to at least commend KJ for doing that at the, end of the, at the after the ball game. I'm sure that's not easy. No. You know. That's the last. I didn't want to talk to anyone after that game, and I didn't even play. I, I was getting text galore after that game. I didn't respond to any of them. I don't want to talk to anyone after the loss. But I'll give him credit because he deserves it after, again, doing that at that point. That is going to do it for your Hog Update this morning. It's brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, let's talk to Derek, who's in Yellville on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Derek, welcome into the program. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm just going to, I mean, I think the Hogs played great Saturday. I uh, had a good game, scored a lot of points, 31 points. There's nothing to, nothing to be ashamed of, you know, and uh, I believe I believe we had the, had the right tools to win the ball game had we made a few key stops and possibly had half of the penalties that we committed. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes the best team doesn't win, and that's how the game played out. But uh, I thought KJ had a good game. Kept his head in the game. Never looked like he really got flustered or anything through the whole uh, the whole time. And um, I don't think we need to be beating our offense up for not scoring more points. If uh, which I know it's a team game, but. Had we made a stop or two and a few less penalties, uh, that game was well within our reach to win. And just a thing or two to tighten up on. But man, I think I think we got a good team. Nothing to be discouraged about. We should be able to should be able to win some more ball games this year. Is what I think. Oh, appreciate the call. And I think again for this football team, I mentioned the leadership aspect. You don't play at home for thirty three days. Today marks again 33 days till you step foot back into Donald Rage, Reynolds Rage Backstage to play a football game. Baton Rouge, Jerry World, Oxford, Tuscaloosa. How do you respond as a football team to the toughest slate in the sport of any team whatsoever? How do you rally? How do you figure out a way to win these games in the coming weeks? Again, you lost a tough heartbreaker on Saturday night. How do you figure out 
the issues and the mistakes that he made Saturday and, f- and fix those before this four-game stretch? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is make certain that you don't look at it as a four-game stretch. You know, as fans, we look at it as a four-game stretch. The first thing you've got to do with your team is make certain that you focus on what you're doing this week and not focus on anything beyond that and, and leave that to people in the outside world. Um, you look, everybody that can, you know, has eyesight and can look at a schedule knows what's coming up. Here's what Coach said about that. They're all hard to lose, but I don't really look at it as a four-game stretch on the road and all that. I'm just – LSU, as we all saw, played really well today, and and we've got our work cut out for us, but we'll be ready to play when we go down there. But LSU, next one that night, and obviously it's hard to go into Baton Rouge. There was a good stat in whole hog sports over the weekend. First time that Arkansas has played its first four conference games away from home in 98 years. It's been that long. Well, one of those should be a home game, but it's one not. One of them technically is, yeah. but it's not. It's at a neutral side. And you probably got your most difficult of the four on the front end. You know, and I think years ago we'd say, or for many years we should say, that we would say that Alabama would be that one. But right now it appears like LSU is going to be the toughest of those four. Prize picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their Prize Picks projection. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at prizepicks.com slash HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Mark in Hernando, Mississippi, and Nelson Harrison, hang on. We will get to your calls, but I do want to address this again. It's probably the most talked about play from this past Saturday. Again, Sam Pittman was asked four different times, not just about one particular fourth down, but 
the two you had on Saturday. And this is his response to the second time he was asked about the momentum that changed. I guess I've been asked twice, so I guess the answer is yes. But we were up 14 to nothing, and they went up 21 to nothing in the first half, and I don't think it was because we went for it on fourth down. So... It's right around again the the fifty yard liner and the yard, and that was I think it was the the third question of the first three he was asked at that point about that fourth down. Now, when asked, Coach, why didn't you put KJ under center? Why didn't you you go for it? Here's what he said about that. That's the third question that I've been asked on that. I think I've already answered the question. I just think a lot of fans have asked, like you know, you know, on fourth and one, you got a quarterback that size. I've answered the question. Now, initially, the first two questions he was asked about the momentum. Bob asked him, and then Trey asked him about the momentum. Then you heard Hutch there ask him about why was it under center. Now he elaborated on that later in the press conference. There's this defense called a bear defense. You've got three defensive linemen on your left guard, your right guard, and your center. You've also got two linebackers that are going to shoot the A gap at this point. He kind of explained that further later on. We were very concerned about running the sneak because they were jumping bare. You know, they had all our guard. They had the guards in the in the center. And it's easy to say that you can just you got a big quarterback and you can go get a first down. But if they're in bare and they're plugging A gaps, you basically would have five guys in there for your three. Again, five on three. Now, the Philadelphia Eagles that has the best offensive line in the National Football League and in all of football, they're able to do this all the time with Jalen Hurts. There's been a rule change in college where you can now push the quarterback. Everyone made a big deal about Bush Push when they played Notre Dame. You are now allowed to, without penalty, push the QB. Fans were frustrated and wondering why that play wasn't called, why Sam didn't just tell Dan Enos, run this play. He explained it there. You don't have to agree with him. You don't have to like the elaboration on why he did that, but he at least told us why they didn't do that on that fourth and one. But they might have done it on the second one before that false start penalty. Correct me if I'm wrong. That also was the fourth down where they reviewed the spot because it was initially, went in initially marked a first down and after review moved back and then they went for it. I thought he was initially short. I thought they said Jaden okay, was short. With the dip, the, because there was a fourth. There were a couple back. of them. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of them there. I, I was when I watched that after it was over with. I was I was a little confused too sometimes about which which one they were talking about. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he again two different plays. But I think when he and there's a lot of again opinions on why you don't do that to this point. And at times they were getting pushed rushing the football. They got. Again, hit a, a couple times in the pass rush to this point. But I think the expectation, as I heard time and time on Saturday night, is you have a 250-pound quarterback. I heard even Rod Gilmore talking about this on the ESPN telecast after. Why do you not put him under center there? We've talked about how that's going to happen more under Dan Enos and company. But, again, the, the pushback is you're not getting to push with just normal four or five guys up there on the defensive line. What makes you think you're going to get a push with five guys trying to rush the A-gap at that point. That's the question you have to ask yourself this morning. Well, a lot of people, you know, and you talked about Rod Gilmore, and, you know, everyone said, why didn't you do that? Well, he was asked the question, and he answered the question, you know, why they didn't do that. And it's up to people to decide whether or not they agree with it or not. But he, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it it was a big play. There's no doubt about it. And when it's a big play and it doesn't go your way, everybody's going to second guess. And that's how it is, too. And I, you know, I understand what 
people say there, but I also understand what he was saying too. And so, um, you know, again, the the question was belabored, frankly, in the uh, in the press conference, and he did answer the question. And again, you may not agree with the answer, but I kind of got the feeling as I was watching that that. Um, you know, he was continuing to be asked that question because he had not answered it the way that particular person wanted it answered. Well, initially, again, he was asked about the twice, the two times he was asked about it was about momentum. Then he was asked about why they didn't go under center. And then the other fourth down, he was asked in before the penalty, and that was potentially a plan. So they, it was asked a couple different ways to that point. And I think why fans are, are curious and puzzled by the move is because when you think of Arkansas football, particularly under this regime, you think you should be able to get a fourth and one, especially with a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson. Now, again, this offensive line has been inconsistent at this point in time, but that's the feedback that I got from most fans is we should be able to get – it wasn't even a yard. That's the other thing. I mean, it was less than a yard in that situation. So that's why I think fans were were very perplexed by that play call and – and even the rationale and reasoning behind it at that well, point. We all know the identity of this team is toughness and being physical, whether that's correct or not, but that's the identity that's projected by Sam Pittman. Of course he wants to go for it on fourth down, and when you don't, you're signaling to some that you don't believe in your offensive line. I'm interested to see, you get in that same situation Saturday, what do you do? You get in that same situation two or three weeks from now. Has your Samalytics changed? So, he says he doesn't go by the uh, analytics. It's Sam analytics. We'll see if that that data point changes for for the there, head coach. There wasn't a single fan that took issue with him going oh. for it. it they it's took the issue call. with the play call itself. Yeah. And you know what? If they get in a fourth and one situation, the game's tight on Saturday. They sneak Jefferson. They don't get it. You know what? There's going to probably be some fans frustrated that they didn't get a push. I'm not going to be mad. Because that, that, that's your bread and butter. You're putting the hands of your quarterback. And I love Rashad DeBinion, but if I'm taking my chance on a fourth and one critical play in any football game the rest of the season, that ball's not leaving number one's hand. I'm putting it in his, his hands, hoping that Braun, Limmer, and Latham, assuming they're healthy, will get enough of that push in that A-gap, or KJ maneuvers and does whatever he does. That's my take. That doesn't make it right. That make it wrong. But I'm not taking the ball out of number one's hands in that situation. Well, I'm sure that you know that is the view of a lot of people. I I, I don't um, I don't um, I don't dispute that at all. I I, I think that um, again, you know, you said something that was <clears throat> pardon me interesting there. Nobody ever disputes when you go for it. They want you to go for it every time. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, I don't think he ought to go for it. Maybe you ought to punt him back right here. You got the lead. I didn't hear anybody say that after the game. Not one single person. Everybody agreed with going for it. It just didn't work. So that's when you start second guessing. Uh, Andy Reid went through it for like fourth and 23 in the, the opener for the Chiefs. And there were fans still like, I was glad he went for it, even in that situation. Fans love to to take chances. Roll then. the dice, yeah, baby. Roll, roll the, the dice. dice. All right, back to the McClarty Daniel hotline. Let's go to uh, Harrison, where Nelson is waiting. Nelson, good morning. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. Everybody's disappointed, but nobody's more disappointed than those kids and and coaches. I mean, they're the ones put in the work. I mean, we just sit here and wait all week for the, to watch them play. I mean, they, them kids are disappointed, and this is all I got to say about it. Sam Pittman earned his paycheck, and uh, Lane Kiffin, Gus Malzahn, 
the late Mike Leach, all of them guys, we made a run for them, and, and they didn't get here. So you can go ahead and say, let's go out and look for the next one. It ain't that easy. It ain't that easy, boys. We, we tried that. We tried that. And, uh, luckily we, with Musselman, we've, we've caught lightning in the bottle on that deal. I got one thing to say, guys. I watch a lot of the YouTubes and stuff like that. Go watch Power Hour SEC. That guy, he, he shows every play what's going on. KJ needs to trust his check downs. He had Wilson wide open on one play over by himself. No one within 10, 15 yards of him. And he don't, they don't get the ball to him. He's had a few, few plays where Haz was open at the goal line and different places and he didn't get the ball to him. He had one play where Haz come, had, was like running the slant. And then he went and turned, and he was wide open. If he would have thrown the ball instead of running into two BYU defenders, he would have been has would have probably scored. Uh, KJ is struggling with this offense. If he could get it to get, if, if KJ could get this offense and and find his checkdowns, we'd be in great shape, a lot better shape, and it would it would help our offensive line. But guys, this is the thing of it. Uh, this team's, this team, he needs to trust Tesla. He needs to trust Haz. And he needs to trust Armstrong. And, and hopefully we get to see, uh, Isaiah Satania out there. But this team's got it. And if you go watch that Power Hour SEC, you'll see that all we need to do is have KJ to trust his checkdowns. And, and and trust his arm. He's a good passer. We appreciate the call, Nelson. It's a couple of things there. I think it is right for you to bring up. Sam Pittman wanted this job. The late Mike Leach saw what you had on the roster and allegedly said, no, nah, I'm good. Lane Kiffin tried to use money against you, allegedly, in this situation. What about that? Sam Pittman wanted this job, so I think that's an important point. You made a point about KJ. KJ is going to be under a microscope from fans the rest of the way. He is feeling more pressure now as the Arkansas quarterback than any point of his tenure. He doesn't have Traylon Burks to just chuck the ball up to. He doesn't have his running mate, Rocket Sanders, and he has a shaky offensive line. So do you, I mean, he is just going to be more scrutinized and he, and heavily criticized than he's ever been because he is in a tough situation. On the subject of the wide receivers, I love Isaac Tesla. He's got to get open. He's got to get some more separation. When he's open, he's money. Even when he's not open, he catches the football. But these wide receivers have to help him out. They're not getting enough separation. If you can't beat out BYU corners, you have to get open for your starting quarterback, who, again, is not going to have a lot of time at points this season based on what we've seen. Well, I don't think he's under any greater pressure than the pressure to try to get to the NFL next year, put himself in a position too. to be too. drafted. But I think that's the pressure. We can go by fan expectations and everything else you just listed, and and you can put them in a different order. But I think that the number one thing he probably is feeling internal pressure, only he can answer this is, hey, he, he needs a great year to not be in college next year. To not, you know, Not that this is a bad gig, but... The goal is to be in the NFL, and he's got to have a good year, Chuck, in order to get drafted. He does, and, you know, I'm sure he does think about that. I'm sure the people around him think about that a lot, too. But um, 
you know, I, I've I've seen that with players in different sports, and I'm not saying that's happening here. I, I don't I don't I don't know that it is. I, I'm 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 not sure about that. But I I would imagine that yeah, somewhere in the recesses of his mind, he thinks about that. And on the subject of the checkdowns that are being brought up, you've seen quarterbacks over the years, not just here in Fayetteville, but all over the place, that realize, hey, we have to do a certain amount of points. We have to score a certain amount to to win the football game. KJ's got to trust those situations that these guys like Dominique Johnson or Rashad Dominion or A.J. Green, if they are open, even if it's out in the flat, can make plays. Because I know, again, that pressure is pretty amped up for him this year. Back to the phone lines. Let's go to Hernando, Mississippi, where Mark is waiting this morning on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Mark, welcome in. Hey, good morning, guys. It's amazing to me how we as fans, and I'm guilty as the next guy of overreacting after a win or a loss. If we would have won Saturday, we'd be making plans to go to Atlanta. <laughs> after we lose, the, earth, the world's coming to an end. I mean, Chuck said something about the offensive line. Latham, we've got a total of nine starts between the other three guys. I mean, it takes it takes time to build that that trust with each other, and I, I just think we've got to give those guys time. Is there talent on that offensive line? Absolutely. Uh, or those guys wouldn't have been recruited by the teams they were recruited by. So I think uh, giving them some time to get some experience under their belt uh, help a lot. Um when it comes to the plate calling, everybody's talking about that fourth and one. I kind of like would have liked to see the RPO right there, but that's not, apparently not in Dan Enos's playbook. Uh, I think that that tight play in the past has gotten us a lot of first downs. Um, it's just um, it's just you know that that was a frustrating. We talked about the field position. Uh, the analytics say that. When a team gets the ball inside their opponent's 40 to 45-yard line, they score 67% of the time. And that's what happened Saturday. Um, I think at the end of the year also, we're going to look back at this BYU team and think, you know what, they were a whole lot better than we thought they were going into this game because I think they've got a really, really good football team and they've got a great coach. So moving them into the Big 12, I think we're going to see at the end of the year that, that this game wasn't as bad a loss as what we're saying it was, other than the fact that it was at home and that we should be expected to win those games. Um, you know, it's it's there's a lot of football left to be played, and the, the previous caller mentioned it. You know, when we hired Coach P, we were, we, were, we were basically turned down by five or six guys. I mean, it's not like coaches are out there knocking our door down to try to get here. Yep. Let me say one thing about BYU. He 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 brought this up, and 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 I'll go there in response. One of the things I really noticed Saturday night that I think is going to serve them well, they were not intimidated by one single thing. They were not scared of anything. They acted like a Power Five team. They acted like a Power Five program. I was impressed by that. Uh, perhaps. And I didn't think about this before the game. Maybe I should have thought to myself, hey, these guys may be better than we think. I don't know. But I was impressed with the way they carried themselves. I was impressed with their fan base. Just everything about them shouted Power Five. And I didn't think of BYU as a Power Five program last year when we went to Provo. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think of them as a Power Five program. I do now. Um, I was impressed by the way they acted. They weren't scared. They came to win the game. I'll bet they're a factor in the Big 12 this year. Well, think about they go to Kansas this week, but you just think about the Big 12 venues. 
other than Austin, Texas, what would even rival what they experienced on Saturday? Oh, you're right. They go to Norman. Yeah, they. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they, they go, go to, to Norman this year. I know Oklahoma goes there this year. They go to Stillwater. Yeah. I mean, but but those are South Alabama kind of showed us that going to Stillwater may not be that big a deal. They win this weekend, thirty-three to seven. <laughs> Gundy must have been irate. I I must have missed that score. But, Thirty-three to seven. But Ugh. point is, Fayetteville's on par with the best of the Big You're Twelve, right. and That's they handled point. they handled that test and passed it after just being in a fourteen-zero hole in the first right. quarter, where a lot of teams would wilt and and shy away to that point. I also, so we're talking about again the offense and, and KJ and him trying to figure out. I, I do wonder. I heard this reference when the New York Jets were playing. Nathaniel Hackett's their offense coordinator. He was expecting Aaron Rodgers. He now has Zach Wilson to deal with and how he adapts his play calling. I wonder, there's always like a give and take with an OC that comes in with his quarterback. I wonder what dynamic we see this year where Dan Enos, again, he has his stuff. He's got multiple stuff, but like what push and pull we see between him and K.J. Jefferson. Because say what you want about Kendall Bryles, he put K.J. in a lot of good situations that he is good at. I don't, I'm curious to see how Dan Edos maybe customizes his offense based on who you have playing quarterback here in Fayetteville. Well, I think every coordinator out there, you know, you got to work hand in hand. I, I don't think there's any friction or anything like that, but I, I mean, I think they've got to work hand in hand, sure. I mean, no, one, no one's happy with the results, so I mean, we'll see what changes uh, will be made. We talk about the RPO there. We'll see if there's uh, more of those in. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.